Okay, recording, good. All right. This is just a short little introduction to Saeed Jatub. We've been looking at the struggle for supremacy that's being waged right now between Shiite and Sunni Islam. America and the world are still waiting to see which direction these new Islamic democracies eventually settle on. So it's fascinating to examine America's historic role in today's Islamic fundamentalism. This great America, what is it worth in the scale of human values? Nothing, look at those bare legs. I wish I could find something <laughs> to talk about human affairs, morality, and spirit. Not just dollars, movie stars, and cars. It is a moral indictment of America written in the 1950s. The author, a man who found the country to be a spiritual wasteland. His name was Sayyid Qutub. He inspired the likes of Osama bin Laden and his lieutenant, Ayman al-Zawahiri. Qutub's works laid the foundation for the modern jihad movement. Sayyid Qutub is the philosopher of the militant Islamist movement. Fawaz Jejez is a professor and author who has interviewed hundreds of Islamic jihadists. His views on America are terrifying. They are terrifying because they're narrow. He represented America in very simplistic dichotomies. And those simplistic dichotomies have influenced and shaped how radical Islamists and radical jihadists view America and Americans. Qutub, an Egyptian Sunni Muslim, came to America in 1948 to study, but mustache. American culture shocked the scholarly Muslim poet and critic. His two years in America turned Sayyid Qutb into a militant Islamist. He resented the deep philosophical secular roots of American society. He resented the way women and men interact in society. He resented uh, the obsessive nature of American materialism. He believed that America lacked spiritualism. I fear that a balance may not exist between America's material greatness and the quality of its people. Qutub returned to Egypt and preached a message of restoring Muslim nations to their religious roots. The secular Egyptian government of Gamal Abdel Nasser imprisoned and tortured him, and finally, in 1966, executed him. His most radical book, Milestones, was written from prison. It advocated violent jihad, even against Muslim governments. His writings, and what many saw as his martyrdom, inspired generations of Muslim radicals. He was my teacher, my instructor, my mentor. Mafus Azam was also Qutub's friend. He used to express in some of his letters about his feelings that the American society is losing its soul because of its materialism. He said, that's all we think about. Azam is also the uncle of Ayman al-Zawahiri the Egyptian doctor who would take Qutub's message to heart. We are Muslims. We are Muslims. 
Zawahiri has become one of the most notorious terrorists of our time, second in command to Osama bin Laden. We want to speak to the whole world. Now first in command. Zawahiri and bin Laden were part of what became known in the Muslim world as the Salwa. I think this was I think this video was 2007. Yeah, he's still alive. Today. Yeah. A religious movement in the it. 1970s that pitted young reform-minded Sunni Muslims against their established governments. If Sayyid Qutb provided the inspiration for these future jihadists, Afghanistan was their call to arms. In 1979, the Soviet Union, officially atheist and communist, invaded Afghanistan. It was an affront to Islam. Thousands of young Muslims signed up for jihad, a holy war against the invader. Osama bin Laden was one of them, and his exploits in Afghanistan gave him credibility as well as a base. I have benefited greatly from the jihad in Afghanistan. It would have been impossible for me to benefit as much from any other opportunity. The Soviets, worn down by the Mujahideen, the Muslim warriors, eventually withdrew from Afghanistan. Bin Laden would go on to establish Al-Qaeda. Zawahiri, the Egyptian doctor, would become his advisor. Both men inspired by the words of Sayyid Qutb. Okay. I really like how it had a reenactment of the book in there. Five dollars. No. For the best <laughs> I haven't eaten lunch, so we can't watch that. We have a couple of extra credit presentations we'll do at the end, so make sure I stop with about 15 minutes left. Um, anyways, I just, I found that. I haven't, I hadn't shown that in the past, even though it's a really old video. Like, Is there some short video I can use to introduce Saeed Kitab? I thought that one was pretty good. Well, we're doing the, we're doing the, kind of the prologue and the, the first chapter today. Okay. Before I get going, also, I, I, you guys saw the email. I, I'm still looking for some volunteers for extra credit. It's a pretty easy 12 and a half points. Basically, you'll get a question, and then you record on one of those three chapters, and then you record like a three-minute, three to five-minute video response, and then we'll use it for class because it's an online day. We're supposed to be working on the book. Um, Got a couple people that are going to do it, and if I can take up to five more for this one. And then we have another day. So there's only probably two days that we'll have for that particular kind of extra credit. We have another day that you could do it as well. But let me know because I want to get the questions out probably before the end of the week so you we have time to get them recorded and stuff. And you might have to read ahead a little and find your spot and read through it and then read the rest of the chapters or whatever. So, all right. So, are we already thanking me for assigning this book, or is that going to come later once we get into it a little more? <laughs> it's really good, right? It's awesome. Yeah. Probably one of the best, I mean, one of my very favorite, just in general, just if we're talking nonfiction books, um, one of my favorite books ever. Um, just the writing's really good. Um, the story, what, you know, the story is always what matters. And if you didn't know this was the real story, you'd think it was, you know, some kind of a fiction book. But. So let's, I usually try to get the main, the key players, I, gosh, where's my third page of notes? I need to do this. 
Actually, I'm glad I linked those. I linked my notes on the that I'm using today on the iLearn. There they are. We don't have a ton of different characters. So Dan Coleman, Jamal Al-Fadl, Katab's the main person we're going to be talking about, King Farouk, Egypt's monarch, Hassan al-Banna, that was the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, and then Nasser is the Egyptian president. Um, Dan, Dan Coleman, who we're going to talk about right now, CIA, right? Um, who was Jamal al-Fadl? He's the guy that defected from Al-Qaeda with, I think he stole like $100,000. Yeah. And then we got a bunch of information from him. It's the first, it's like the first story in the book. So, terms-wise, we have, for terms today, we have fatwa. What's a fatwa? You guys remember? Go ahead. Like an issue of war, right? It's like, uh, like it, a declaration. Yeah, it's a, it's a religious declaration. So, the interesting thing, so like in Islam, it's, it's a very kind of flat, it can be kind of a flat organization, and you have, you have lots of different imams that can issue these. In our church, it's really, you know, you, it's sort of the prophet, and if somebody else is doing uh, a religious pronouncement, they're not supposed to, right? That's not the case in the Muslim world. And then, and then it gets further complicated because you have Shia and Sunni Islam, and it, it's even more complicated because you, you get some bad actors who will, who will issue fatwas that are not good. <laughs> and uh, I guess you could have that in any religion, right? But um, Al-Qaeda will use these fatwas to their advantage. If you can get a fatwa saying, hey, we, it's, okay, it's, okay to, it's okay to kill Muslims if they're doing this thing, you could use that to your advantage, right? So... Other terms, we have we have all we have all of uh, Katub's books. So the main one we're going to be t we talk about is milestones, but he also wrote social justice in Islam, and in the shade of the, of the Quran. What's a what's takfir? Another term that came up in the book to kind of to make war or expel, right? Isn't it like excommunicate? It's like it could be used to like excommunicate too. So, you know, it comes up in the context of, of terrorists declaring takfir on other, other Muslims, right, that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. What is, gosh, what are the terms? Um, Alex Station is the first virtual station um, dedicated to finding out about terrorist financial links. It's the CIA's counterterrorism center. Sharia, what's Sharia? Uh, a political law based on like Islamic principles. Good, it's all said, yeah. It means uh, Yeah, it's yeah. the way, it, it would be like, yeah, and, and obviously in the, in, the, in the Middle East, you've got, a lot, you've got countries, like whole countries that abide by Sharia law, where the religious law is incorporated into the, into the secular law, and it's all one, right? And this can be, and so there's always kind of this back and forth between religious, really religious Islamic countries and more secular Islamic countries. Um, and, then you, and then you have places like Afga Afghanistan now where it's way over the top, <laughs> right? I remember reading that there are doctrinal disputes in Islam, but, uh -huh. it's, but it's less so compared to Christianity, whereas 
their current um, large-scale issue is how to implement Muslim law with secular law. Like, yeah, that's the big dispute. That's the big dispute. Yes, over Sharia. Do we do this or do we not do this? Do we have more of a separation of church and state, or do we do, or do we do the Sharia as part of, part of the government, and, and would they take care of everything? And and who are and who are our leaders? Are, are they religious leaders that are also political yeah, leaders? Right. Yeah. So that that is the big, the big question. The what is? Gosh, there weren't a ton. Muslim, what's the Muslim Brotherhood? We're going to talk about that. Yeah. They so, were an Egyptian-based organization. It's really like a social organization first, right? Yeah. It's a social political organization that was Islamist, but not necessarily violent or extremist. They were just very, they wanted political Islam. And they did a lot of like volunteerism and, and, and helping out with benefits and, and people's health care. And, and then it morphed into more of a terrorist organization that's now sort of morphed again. But okay, any other terms? I think those were the ones that I picked out from the chapter. Okay, first question. What was CIA what was the CIA's understanding of bin Laden in nineteen ninety six? Nothing. They're just like, hey, some guy He's this guy that has lots of money and we and we know that he's funding he's funding terrorism. He's the great financier. Right? Few agents knew about him in the FBI or CIA. Obviously he made a name for himself fighting the Russians in Afghanistan. We'll read about that. It's really, it's really kind of comical when you read, because he, he, he sort of, he sort of makes himself out as this like really good soldier when in truth he's not, right? But definitely known as the Islamist financier. In 1996, the Bin Laden and Al Qaeda declare war on the United States from a cave in Afghanistan. So the very first story in the book really is this. Jamal al-Fadl has defected from al-Qaeda. He stole $100,000, and now we're interrogating him. What did we learn about, about al-Qaeda and bin Laden that we didn't previously know from this defection? Uh, we learned about al-Qaeda. We learned what it was. Yeah. In fact, there's a domestic, going back to our terrorism, Inc., there's a domestic terrorist group in the United States. Was it, it wasn't the one that I sent you in the video, was it? Calling themselves the base. That's that's trademark infringement right there. We need a lawsuit happening. There is a, there's already a base. It's Al Qaeda. Can't have another base. So yeah, there's an actual organization with a leadership structure. Um, he wasn't just financing terror. He'd formed his own organization. What what else? Um, they learned like the the structure of it, like who's in command. They yeah. That a lot of people in command had ties to America. Good. We also learned that he, they train the people who shot There's, a, there's sleeper cells, there's training camps. Um, the Al-Qaeda was responsible for a bombing in Yemen in 1992. It trained in the insurgents that shot down the helicopters in, in what we know as Black Hawk Down in Somalia. Organizational charts, names. So we, we gained a, a much greater kind of respect for what actually this was. It's not just bin Laden hanging out and making false claims and financing. He's actually formed an organization that has a structure and is training to do something, right? Okay. So, Kitab. This is the way... I hate that one. 
I kind of think of he's sort of to me he he's similar he he is what what Marx is to the communist movement. He's a theoretical. I mean, Marx would say he's not a communist. Um, it's sort of you. The theory is used, right? So it's the big. He's the he's the guy who writes the the book that everybody latches on to that impacts Islamic extremism. Okay. Um, who was it? Who was this guy? So we'll, let's talk about kind of his time in Egypt for a second here, and then we'll go talk about what happened in America, and then come back to to Egypt. Who he was a he was a public administrator, right? He worked as a minister of education. He was a former teacher. He was actually one of a very he was a very popular writer in Egypt. He was really well known. His social and political commentaries were very harsh on the king. So he would go after the king, um, basically about his working with the with the British, right? Um, the king didn't like this and signed an arrest warrant <laughs> to get him. Um, what happens? He has powerful connections that help get him out of the country, right? So he flees, he flees to America. What are his initial, what are his initial kind of beliefs? And we'll get into some of these stories. What does he initially think about America? Is, let me ask this question. To me, in going through this again and looking at this, this chapter, it's almost like he has this preconceived notion of America that all he wants to do when he comes here is confirm his preconceived notions. Is that, is that true or is that unfair? So true. It seems true to me. It seems like, oh, I, I have these notions of America as a materialistic and, and sinful, and then, and then these things happen, and it fits, it fits my narrative. It almost seems like the good experiences he have, he just tosses out. Completely. And they certainly aren't in the book, really, right? Yeah. So he just goes and he's like specifically looking for things that will validate his... Yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, right? And yeah, America is a place where if you want to find, you know, decadence. sin and decadence and materialism, you're going to find it, of course, right? So... Yeah, so yeah, he has like some justified frustrations like, you know, racial problems and oppression, but he also was like getting really nitpicky with like... Eastern food, like yeah. There's a whole section where he's just like being super critical about some girl for liking watermelon. Yeah. Really? Well, like, and then we'll talk about the, like the T-shirt, the yeah. strange T-shirt. Like, okay, is that why is that such a big deal? So, so anyways, it's, to me, that's interesting because it does kind of feel like he's sort of finding what he wants to find, right? So he, so obviously the things like materialism. Of the, of the Americans. Um, he's really picking on, you know, popular culture. The dress, films, books, things that are released here in the popular culture, he, he thinks are sinful and bad. Um, that we're just, let's just start general here. Um, he, the one thing is he believes the West to be one cultural identity. Like you're lumping all, and, and you see this with Islamic, Islamic extremism in general. They'll lump the whole West in, in together, right? Well, no, these are, these, are different, these are different countries with different agendas and different goals and, you know, 
what's true in America may not be true in France or, or Germany or wherever. You can apply that double standard in the Middle East. True, yes. You'd be like, well, okay, everyone here is just like an Islamic extremist, or as an Egyptian, vastly different yes. than somebody who like lives in Armenia. Correct, yeah. So one, sort of one identity, we're gonna blame the West, and particularly America, And, and also, he he, looked, he called it that you know sort of the, the Christian, this Christian world versus Islam. Yeah, Islam in the east in one side and the Christian in the west on the other. Yeah. So it's kind of silly because there's a lot of like Christian minorities who have in the Middle East. <laughs> when it's all mixed too, right? Yeah. We have a fairly, I mean, we even have a fairly big Muslim population in the United States. I mean, it's grown. Yeah. So what would they say about like China? Like I've never heard what like. An Islamist view on China would be: Do they just like act like it doesn't exist because it's just them versus the West? No, I think I think I mean I'm guessing a little bit here, but I think that they would fit in sort of where where the Russians fit in yeah. as this kind of authoritarian communist. That's where they come in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like he's really big on how even you know well the United States is mostly Christian, but it's very secular and materialistic. And yeah. So every, like, from China to Russia to, or the USSR to USA, they're all just too materialistic and didn't have enough room. Yeah. Good. So, our support of Israel is a problem. But, he, but he's clearly saying, you know, there is one West, but we, we stand apart for our lack of values. We're the worst of the West. So, which, I mean, I guess, I guess that's you say that. I mean, if you know anything about Europe, I mean, Europe can be pretty materialistic too. Right? A lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you go ahead, dude. Well, he also has like a lot of criticisms in like, like Western imperialism of the world, especially yes. in the Middle East. Yes. And all that colonialism and I mean, yeah, make no mistake about it. I mean, this, you, and you guys know from, from studying and being in class and, and things, this all goes back to the, to the historical disputes. You know, back to things like the Crusades and, yeah. and occupation and the drying of the, the, the borders of the countries and, and all that. So, um, okay, so let's get into some of these, some of these experiences. It's kind of funny. It's, it's like he was a magnet for these things. So on the cruise, on the cruise over here, the ship, he had a half-naked lady. That, well, I wonder how half-naked she really was. Her ankles were showing. What I mean, was she really half, was she like American half-naked or was she, is she was like wearing a bikini or something? Um, that she wanted to share a bed with him on the cruise. Oh. Yes, yes. The black elevator operator shared sexual experiences inside of New York City hotel rooms. The nurse that itemized the qualities that she saw in a lover. This occurred at George Washington University Hospital while he was getting his tonsils out. I wonder if that was like just like she's like, you know, I really like a man who's like kind and like this, and he's like, I don't know. Sinner! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, crazy things happen no matter where you go. So that's why I say it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you get these kind of things you perceive as like ultra sexual, and you have this agenda or this idea of what America is, and then that fits the narrative. 
but a lot of other things are happening too. So, I mean, these, this type of stuff could have really happened anywhere. Um, at the same time, this isn't good timing, the Kinsey Report comes out. And um, the Kinsey Report was a very famous book about sexual behavior in males. Um, we talk about it a lot in the social sciences because it's like a prime example of how not to do social science. Because the survey instrument, they, they interviewed too many prisoners in American prisons mm -hmm. to get their information, and obviously that's going to be skewed a little bit, <laughs> right? So, so that's coming out, and, then, and it had some other things, and he's like, man, they're writing books about sex and all this stuff, and I'm, I'm having naked ladies come to tell me things, and they want to sleep with me, and like, I'm, it's just everyone's talking about sex, and it's just like, it's blowing his mind, right? <laughs> Okay, so how do you feel about, where does, where does communism and materialism and capitalism, how does, how, how does he describe that as like a clash with Islam? It's very, I mean, it's different because I would, I would say like the kind of the, you know, materialism, I would say that part of, that part of it, Christians have in common with, with Islam. It's like, I don't think Christians view materialism as a good thing either. But he, he has sort of a different take. Like even the pursuit of like being successful and, and, and getting wealth to him is, is kind of a bad thing. Well, he saw the whole thing as kind of regardless, essentially. Like he said there's like no rituals, no spirituality in the country for the West in general. Okay. He saw it as like a godless pursuit, that's kind of what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he kind of saw Americans as like hypocritical because they profess to, to believe in God, but then like their real God is all of this stuff, you know, and he says, yeah, because I don't think most most Christians, and, and certainly in our church, I don't think we view I don't think we view wealth as bad. I think we really view it as what are you doing with the wealth? If it's about you and buying stuff for you and not helping other people, creating jobs or or giving back, then that's a problem I think for Christians. But for for him, it seems like just that pursuit of trying to do that's bad. And he also commented on how you know Christianity kind of lacked like it would be. It's the powers of black strength because it exists only in the realm of the spirit. It's like a vision where Islam, you know, has, you know, the Shoshaniya, which is like, you know, like the laws and everything guides society itself. And it's Christianity, it's like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you shouldn't do this because they don't actually make it. Okay. Right. Yeah, good. Um, what's his problem with communism? Wasn't it that it's like inherently kind of atheist? Yeah, the atheism of, of communism. Is a, is a big deal. He says it isn't a battle of capitalism versus communism, but rather a battle of Islam versus materialism. Um, he wrote to a friend saying, the soul has no value in America. There has been a PhD dissertation about the best way to clean dishes. Maybe that's good, good important information. <laughs> I want to read that. I want to, I want to now read that dissertation. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. So, um, what else happened while he was in America that was really influential? So he moved around a little bit, doing different things. So one of the things was uh, he thought he was being he was being like groomed into the CIA. Yeah. But uh, and that's what kind of prompted him to join the Muslim Brotherhood. That experience he had with that convert, uh -huh. he was a, like an American convert to Islam, and was telling him how bad the CIA. Or I mean, how bad the Muslim Brotherhood was, and he says in the 
in the book it says that he had resolved to join the Muslim Brotherhood before yeah. he left the house. Yeah, this is, so this is the story about the, the shirt. He thought, he thought the fashion was strange here. He said, I'm here in a restaurant and in front of me is this young American. On his shirt, instead of a necktie, there's a picture of an orange hyena. And on his back, instead of a vest, there's a charcoal picture of an elephant. That sounds like That's crazy. <laughs> he should want, He should see what we're wearing now. He'd really be. He'd really be disturbed. Um, he, you know, apparently went to a bunch of saloons and liquor stores outside of Greeley, Colorado, and saw some like strange behavior. He, he witnessed a black man being beaten by a mob. Um, he experienced some racism. He was turned away from a movie theater on his own. Isn't, I thought Islam prohibited alcohol, so why does he have saloons and liquor stores? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if he was drinking or just going there for like hanging out with like people from the college or, uh, or to find dirt. Or, or to find dirt, that's why he went. And it just, I think for him it was like the fact that they were there. So many saloons. Like he would like Rexburg much better. <laughs> you know, you can't have, there's no bars and stuff inside of the city limits. In Rexford. You got to go to Rigby to get crazy. Um, yeah, Rigby's just so, yeah, Rigby's wild. Um, he was part of a minority student group. He didn't like the jazz music or the dancing associated with it. Um, the mixing of the sexes, the racism, the secularism, the, the tall, too much tolerance, too much materialism individualism. So he's just picking all of these things. So basically, I mean, from the description of the of what he's saying about that he puts in his in his book, you know, who would like America? I mean, he's bashing the heck out of American culture. So no focus on anything good coming out of America. He sounds like the anti-Tokeville. Yeah, he is the anti-Tokeville. Tokeville loved America, right? Love America when we were like young. It's like the anti-Tocqueville. It's like, yeah, it is. It is. That's I think a good way to think about it. Like, so, so Tocqueville, French sociologist, really comes to America and is like talking about religion, how important religion is, and group formation, and all this stuff, and just kind of lauding the Americans. Yeah, I like that comparison. This is the, this is not that. This is the opposite. This is bashing the Americans for everything. Uh, and, and, and fine, if you don't like America, fine. But like, have a balance. This is not a balanced. There's nothing that we're doing well. It's all bad. We're, nothing good comes out of America. You know, not everyone in the class is an American, but many of us are. And those of us, and those of you that aren't Americans, know a little bit about this country. You've lived here now for a little while. It's a mixed bag, like anywhere else. You know, there's a lot of great things that come out of America. There's a lot of bad things that come out of America. A lot of bad things happening. So just like anywhere else. So he's, but he's coming here and saying it's all bad, right? So that's a red flag. But um, so what happens on his return home? What's going on with the Muslim Brotherhood? They sort of morphed into a more active group. They want to establish an Islamic state. They formed a secret apparatus to carry on terrorist attacks against the British army and Jewish populations. He returns to work for the Ministry of Education, but he, 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 he sort of radicalized himself too, hasn't he? And he gets, and he gets caught, up, caught up with, with this um, group. And eventually they, they do what? They want to, there's a plan to assassinate um, the president. 
Um, there's first there's a failed assassination. That what is that? What does Nasser do to, to the Muslim Brotherhood? He tries to destroy it, get rid of it, all that, right? Um, okay, so what? What, why, why, does the, why does the Muslim Brotherhood go from this, like, kind of club and social organization to a terrorist? Is it just the people that joined it, or did they, were they frustrated with life in Egypt, or what do you think? Are you talking about the first time or the second time? Well, no, you know, just, just the point where it goes, just the point from where it goes from this, the first time, really, the, the first iteration of going to a terrorist organization. What do you think? Yeah. Does it connect with the Yom Kippur War and Israel expanding into the Sinai Peninsula? Well, yeah, I think I think the things going on, the historical events going on, definitely have an impact, right? Well, you've got you've got Dinosaur, yeah. and he's uh, Gamal Dinosaur. His his big thing is he wants a pan Arab state, but it's, right. he's super secular, and they yes. they had originally made an alliance with him, and that when they were gonna like. Both kind of share power and be able to do it, but then Denasser kind of kicks them out. Okay. And so they lose any hope of having that as long okay. as they Yeah, good. Um, okay, so what ends up happening? Um, he gets arrested for what? Basically conspiring to, to take out the government, right? And he's in jail. He's in jail for six months. Does he, what's the story there? Does he kind of willingly go to jail? Or doesn't he? Isn't there kind of a, a plan to like get him out and get him free? And he sort of wants to be a martyr, doesn't he? Well, kind of sounds like Socrates. Yeah, right. Um, so he writes. He writes in the shade of the Quran. Um, he was originally sentenced to life, but then it's reduced to 15 years. He writes in the shade of the Quran. Then milestone, milestones. Um, He gets out for a uh, He gets out after a little bit and gets arrested again. Um, and then ends up sort of being willing to be executed. Okay, we got about five more minutes. What uh, What other What other lessons are we learning from Kitab? What other thoughts did you have? Yeah. So I like briefly um, dated a guy who was from Egypt. Yes. Like, this whole time, like I'm just kind of like thinking back to like everything that he would point out in America, and he would just kind of be like disgusted about how much like you would waste and just like the clothing that we would wear. He would point out a lot of things oh, that we wore at you come to my house. Okay. <laughs> we have some we have a clothing problem. Oh man. But um I wonder though if like that's kind of like a big thing with the Egyptians where like they were just really kind of surprised. I don't know. Yeah. He wasn't like violently like disgusted by everything in America, but like he did have a sense of of like hard pictures, so much yeah, so yeah, I mean, but where did yeah, that's great. I'm, thanks for the comment. The you know, but so it's materialism, but so what? Why is that such a big threat? Well, I think it has to do with our relationship with Egypt and Egypt being so secular and worrying about the direction Egypt's going as being influenced by the West, right? That if Egypt's going to become this materialistic place too in the rest of the Middle East, and so therefore now we have to get serious because no one's listening to us and we've made we've gone through that cycle. Well, the Egyptians have only recently self-governed themselves, haven't they? Like yeah. The last century and a half. And that was right. like the first time since, when, like, the it's, new kingdom? Yeah. Like the 2,500 years. Yes. Exactly. Right. Maybe they're, like, by, by, 
latching on to the West, we're gonna lose the thing. Yeah, we're gonna we ha yeah we have our end of, we have this we have this time that's ours to do our thing, and it, and it needs to be done in the right way, and we we feel like we're going the wrong direction, right? Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think that's the answer, and then that's what and that's what Katub's feeling, and so that's where I think he goes from just writing about it and talking about it to being an active player in in wanting to do something, right? Okay, what else? Any what else? Anything else? Sorry. Yeah. So, like, would you like? Is that why, like, they like to come here maybe to like reinforce those feelings? Is like capitalism here sucks. I mean, like, otherwise, like, why why keep coming here? Like, why go to our institutions? Like, what's? I I mean, for in Katub's case, I mean, one, he was fleeing, so he had to go somewhere. And secondly, I think he was curious, and maybe it was a little bit self fulfilling prophecy, but also. <laughs> You know, he, he wants to explore and investigate a little bit, and I think that's probably why why here. I was going to say, the book does mention that his friends helped send him there. He's got connections. Yeah, yeah. He's got connections, and they said that when they sent him there, they were hoping it would liberalize him and teach him. To yeah, because they're worried about him, right? Yeah. They're worried. They, so the opposite happens. They think if he comes to America, he's going he's gonna to see the great things in America and, and, and change his views, and it, do, it does the exact opposite. It actually pushes him back to the more radicalized than like yes. Conservative. Yeah. Other yeah. No, I just wanted to say. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of Egyptians who live in this country and love this country. Yeah. Let's not, let's not forget that. You know. No, yeah, I, right. I don't, I don't think all Egyptians. Not at all. You know, have that mindset. No, and if you're talking, if you're talking Middle Eastern countries, we have a really good relationship with Egypt. They it's been a, it's been a country we've had a strong relationship with for years. Um, so that, that, I mean, that part of it coming from Egypt is interesting, um, as well. I mean, obviously there's a lot, America's meddled in the Middle East a lot, um, and we, we don't always do the right things, and we've caused some, some issues with that, and, um, but there's, you know, while I think there's definitely some, even, even today, some, some bad will towards the United States and the Middle East, there's also plenty of good will, uh, as well, so. What other what other thoughts on Katab? So what is so what is it that why is he known as sort of the the theorist for radical Islam? What is it they're grasping onto? Just this general idea of of the West being bad culturally and materialistic and politically and religiously. Are those the themes that they're? Is it easy to understand or? Um, I think it also provides like a very clear uh, picture of like why we need uh, these these Islamic states, you know, and like these states based on like Sharia law. And here's here's what here's what we risk if we don't do that, you know. Like we don't want to be like America, you know. Yeah, it, it, to me, there, there's a there's a book that's very, and some of you folks that are international studies IRCP folks will be familiar with this book um, called The Clash of Civilizations um, that Samuel P. Hennington wrote. And to me, it almost sounds like that's what he, that's what he, and this is way before that, right? He's setting this up as almost the, that's the same thing that Huntington's talking about in his book. It's a clash of, of the West versus the, the East and Christianity versus Islam. And uh, the truth is, it's really, it's much more complicated than that, right? Um, and a lot of the clashes in the, in the Middle East have more to do with Sunni and Shia Islam than anything else, right? But. Well, I just thought it was interesting, you know, you asked if it was just that, but, you know, you kind of talked about Takfir, like the idea 
it was like the same justification that Osama bin Laden. It's just this different idea that you can fight against other Muslims now because yeah. if they're if they're acting like in a secular way, then they're not real Muslims. Yeah, and Kitab's kind of going through that himself and yeah. becoming kind of active in in the battle against um, Egypt, but. Yeah, so that, it's, I think he's right. It's the it's the place to start in the book because you need to understand Kitab. Um, so now we're now we're going to be headed towards Zawahiri and Bin Laden, which is you know Zawahiri is your your they're your top two, and now you know Zawahiri is the kind of the de facto leader since 2011, where we don't even have a, kind of a clue where he is. Um, I think you know we think he's alive, but he's getting pretty old. So any last thoughts before we do these extra credits? Presentation. Okay, so next time, what do we have? Two and three. Yeah. Okay, so make sure you read two and three. Come with your thoughts and questions and input and all that stuff. Enjoy the book. It's awesome. There's it's cram packed with information too, as you can tell. Let me just. Pull these up. Who wants to go first? Doesn't matter. I just, this was the first one I saw, so you get to go first. <laughs> Let me turn this off.